Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The issue of um, knowing who we are in Christ speaks to the issue of the identity of the believer in Christ. Who has God called us in Christ? Who is the believer? What is the position? What is the identity of the believer in Christ? Um, and this is important because um, the, the, the issue of identity is... Um, is a key one in the course of our walk with God because if, if we don't have the accurate perspective of who we are or who we have been made to become in Christ, we will not be able to fulfill the entire counsel of God for our lives. Hallelujah. So the, the issue of identity is key. The issue of um, coming to the place of understanding who God has made us to be is important to how far we can go in God. It's important to how much we can become. Praise God. And when we are talking about our identity in God, the issue of identity um, first and foremost talks about being. You know, oftentimes when, when you ask people, when you say, who are you? Um, people are quick to describe themselves by, okay, probably they will say, um, my name is David. Um, I'm a footballer. Okay? I am this. I am this. But oftentimes, they describe themselves by what they do, not who they are. What you do, yes, it's, it's part of your overall description, but it is not primarily your identity. Your identity is primarily who you are outside of every other function. Praise God. And the issue of identity speaks to, you know, the issue of your, your makeup, speaks to the issue of character. You know, every other thing would come into play, but those things are secondary. Praise the living Jesus. And uh, before, before we proceed, I'm going to read us a story. Um, it's a story I read. It's, it's an old story told by the late um, Kenneth E. Again in one of his books. Are still in place. So I'm going to read us that story um, as a way of foundation for tonight's teaching. There's a story of a lion, you know, that was born... And then the mother died. The mother lion died. And a shepherd picked up that lion. Of course, you know, shepherd, um, you're tending to sheep, you're tending to other animals, mostly domestic animals. So the mother died and a shepherd picked up the lion, the baby lion, and began to raise the lion. And the lion grew among sheep, you know, the lion grew up among sheep. The lion that was born to roar, born to tear flesh, began to eat grass like sheep. Um, and every time, so of course, as the, the shepherd would take them to the field to graze and all that, the lion would, you know, normally a lion is a carnivorous animal, not a herbivorous. So a lion is not meant to eat grass. But because by virtue of the environment it grew up in, and of course because the lion did not know that it was actually a lion, so it began to behave and feed like sheep. So, and every time a big lion, so when they go, whenever they go to the field, a big lion, another lion would come to chase the sheep, and all of them would run, including the the writer put it as the sheepified lion. You know, the lion that became sheepified. One day, this lion went close to the water, you know, to, to get some water from the stream and saw his face inside the water. And the lion began to run back, thinking it was the other lion that came, you know, to, to chase as usual. Um, so, and the lion began to run back, run back, thinking it was the other lion that came. The lion saw himself in the water and he said, he said, what? Do I really look like that other guy that chases all of us? 
and he looked for a while and he was convinced that he's not like all the other ones that's the sheep and the 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 other um, animals belonging to the shepherd so the next time the lion lion that's the lion lion the big lion the lion lion arrived and the sheep were running this sheepified lion stayed behind and refused to run and that was how this lion lion came round this sheepified lion played with the lion and harvested him from the sheepfold and took him to the lion company to go and teach the sheepified lion how to roar and how to tear flesh hallelujah that's the end of my story and then um, i think um to to a great extent that um story depicts what i'm trying to talk about tonight so we see the story of that lion um all the while while the lion was within the sheepfold it was still a lion but it did not know that it was a lion and because it did not know that it was a lion it lived or let, she lived like like a sheep feeding on grass timid fearful afraid um unable to fully come into its full identity as a lion hallelujah and that is what happens when we as believers do not have a, a, a grasp when we do not understand who god has made us praise god scripture records in the book of proverbs i think chapter 27 it said as as face answers to face in the water hallelujah so like we saw the the lion went to the stream to take water and saw a face in the water the same way the word of god becomes to us and scripture describes the word as water hallelujah um, i think in the book of ephesians where it talks about the cleansing of water by the word so scripture de describes the word as water scripture also describes the word as a mirror you know that brings about the reflection that's in the in the book of james chapter one he said um he who looks into the perfect law of liberty you know and continues therein like a man that looks at his face in the mirror and all that so we we, we have established that so the scripture for us is a mirror that reflects our face but what the scripture reflects is not just our face the, the scripture reflects christ hallelujah so when we look at the scripture the the picture we are meant to see in the scripture is the identity of christ and because we are in christ our identity has also become or let me put it another way because we are in christ the identity of christ is what we have become and what we have been asked or mandated to put upon hallelujah if you read through the book of colossians you you keep reading things like put on the new man put on your new identity why because that that estate that identity is ours so as we look into the mirror of god's word as we engage ourselves in the water of the word we see the reflection we see what we are meant to be and as we continue to embrace what we are meant to be we become the picture that we see um i think second corinthians 3 18 says that we all as we behold as in a glass as in a mirror the glory of god we are changed into the same image from what from glory to glory by the same spirit hallelujah uh, so the the issue of identity is key because um i believe strongly that it is the intention of god that he be revealed in man and that was what he demonstrated in christ and he has brought us into that same estate where christ is that's the whole essence of the death and resurrection of christ to bring us into the same estate as christ and that god will be reflected in mortal man in you and her so it is important it is essential that we come into the understanding of our true identity in order for us to be able to reveal god to our world without us coming into that experience or coming into that understanding we will fall short 
in being able to reveal God to our world. Hallelujah. Why? Because when we, when we show forth the identity of Christ, we reveal God to the world. So if, if we do not come into that estate, if we do not understand that and, and embrace that, that calling or that identity, we deny, we deny the world the opportunity to see God in flesh. Praise the living Jesus. Hallelujah. So, um, and we see oftentimes how the issue of identity has become a problem. Satan seeks um, by every means possible to distort the identity of the believer. He seeks by every means possible to confuse us. Hallelujah. To confuse us and distort our identity. Tells us um, that God cannot be trusted. Tells us we are not exactly who God says we are. And, and we see that also in scriptures. Um, even he did it to Jesus. Hallelujah. In the book of Matthew chapter 4. After Jesus was baptized. And scripture says um, the, the spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there for 40 days. And after 40 days. Um, and he had not eaten. Scripture says that Satan came to him. And tempted him or tested him. And he said if you be the son of God. Praise God. That was Satan attacking the identity of Christ himself. If you are sure that you are the son of God. And we, and we, and we see that we have that Satan has that conversation with us quite often. It would come to you. See, if truly God loves you, why is this thing happening to you? Why is your life like this if it is true that God loves me? And many of us will go back in prayer and say, God, um, without the love, it just comes and throws doubt, throws doubts of unbelief. Why? To confuse our identity. To, to bring us to a place where we, we become unsure of who we are. You, are you, you come to a place where you are unsure of the love of God. You come, you come to a place where you are not sure if you have been forgiven. You come to a place where you even doubt your own salvation. Why? Because it probably tells you that um, things are like this. Things are difficult because of so, 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 so that you did at so, so, so time. Then you begin to doubt. Were you really forgiven? Oh, this thing that, hap that is happening to me, I'm actually paying for the things I did in the past and all of those things. That is what Satan does all the time. And he did it to Jesus. If you are the son of God, so turn these stones to bread. You see, if, if you are, of course, Jesus is not falling to that trap. Why? Because he knew who he was. He, he didn't need to prove anything to Satan. Hallelujah. And when Satan brings such conversation to us, if you are not sure of your identity, you want to prove Praise God. You want to prove. You want to, you want to display. Okay, if you are the son of God, turn the stones to bread. Okay, let me prove to you that I'm the son of God. Then you turn stones to bread. But who is, who is giving instruction? Satan. Satan is the one in charge. He's the one in command. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you are the son of God, turn the stones to bread. He took him to, to the pinnacle of the temple. If you are the son of God, jump, jump down from the, from the pinnacle of the temple. Why? Because he, he even quoted the scripture that he has said, he has promised to give his angel, angels charge over you so that you would not dash your foot against the stone. And if, if you are not sure, if, if you are the one that wants to, you want to prove, you want to prove your identity, you want to prove that you know who you are, you, you're, you're going to embark on an adventure that God did not send you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, the, the issue of identity is key so that you will not run a race that you are not meant to run. A race that was not even a mark for you in the first place. So, Satan seeks to confuse our identity. He, 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 he seeks to throw doubt and unbelief into our hearts about who God has said we are. He tries to throw doubts and unbelief into our hearts about the things that were that are already accomplished for us. And he tries to bring us from a position of faith into the position of works and unbelief. 
it tries to to just cause us to sleep from from our high high estate. Hallelujah. Um, so I said, the more we embrace our identity in Christ, the more we are able to reflect Him. The reason is because um, the more we come into the realization of that estate, um, we we receive grace. The more we embrace that identity, the more we embrace who we are in Christ, we receive grace to live up to that estate. The more we receive grace, the more we come into the understanding of who we are in Christ, the more we embrace that identity and, and, and prove God to be true or reckon God to be true in terms of what he has said concerning us, the more we find grace to grow up into that image that he has that he has called us hallelujah um let's let's look at the book of um judges chapter 6 from verses 1 to 12 um scripture records concerning gideon that he was threshing wheat now the angel of the lord came and sat under the terebin tree which was in hophra which belonged to joash the abizurite while his son gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So they were under the oppression of the Midianites and this guy was threshing wheat in the wine press. So of course, the, you should thresh wheat in the threshing floor, not in the wine press. Hallelujah. So he was, and scripture records clearly that he was doing that to hide to hide it from the Midianites. Perhaps they will probably come and take, and take that in away and all that. Then the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Arise, mighty man of valor. That's a confusing identity. That also speaks to me that at the time that Gideon was doing this, Gideon was not sure of his identity. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know that he was a mighty man. But you see, the fact that you don't know who you are today has not changed the things that God said concerning you. And it has not changed who you are. The only thing you need to do is to come up into God's view and see what God has called you. Hallelujah. When you come, when you believe and embrace what God has called you, like Gideon, you will find grace and strength to rise up to that estate. So he called him. I mean, how, how can a mighty man of valor be threshing with at the wine press to hide it from the Midianites? You would have thought a mighty man of valor would go all out and be bold and be confident in the Lord God of Israel in his ability to save and deliver. But Gideon didn't know that. He didn't know that he was mighty. So he was hiding. He was in fear. He was a victim of the situation. He was afraid of what the Midianites would do. But God called him a mighty man of valor. Even in the state of lack of awareness of who he was in a state of fear in a state of um, of victim victimhood in a state where he was probably pitying himself and probably asking questions verse 12 and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him the Lord is with you you mighty man of valor it didn't look like a man that God was with it didn't look like that and I'm saying to us tonight that many times, perhaps he probably would have come into the experience of Jacob. Oh, the Lord is, is, in, is in this place and I knew it not. And I'm saying to us tonight, church, irrespective of what we are going through, whether you are aware or not, the Lord is with you. Whether you are aware or not, you are a mighty man. You are mighty. That is what is written concerning you. Scripture says, no, he said, who has believed our report? And to whom is the hand of the Lord revealed? Hallelujah. The person who believes the report is the one who will see the hand of the Lord. So whose report are you believing? Do you believe what God has said concerning you? Because until you believe that, you won't see the intervention of the hand of God. Like like um, like Gideon did, and from that point onward, Gideon, of course, Gideon took took the angel to task. Okay, so ah, if you are saying I'm a mighty man, if this thing you have said concerning me is true, why has this and this and this happened? 
Why haven't we seen this and this and this happen? Then he began to engage. He began to engage. And it came to a point, and God said, See, I have ordained you, you this mighty man that you don't, you don't think you are mighty right now, okay. to be the deliverer of Israel from the hands of the Humidian. He said, How shall I deliver Israel? My family's house is the smallest. So he had excuses, and it didn't look like a mighty man that God was with. Praise God. But when he came into the place of assurance, God told him he was going to lead his people out of that captivity. First of all, how many people did he? Did they go and carry? 33,000 people gave them a test, broke them down to 10,000. God said, this is still too many because I'm going to prove to you that you are a mighty man. But you see, this mightiness, and we need to get this clear also, this mightiness is not in Gideon, in himself. It is the might of God on behalf of the nation. It is, it is the strength of God that will be made you know, available to Gideon be able to deliver his will. And that power, that authority, that strength is available to us today. And eventually went on with 300 men and they defeated the entire army of the Midianites. Why? Because a man dared to believe the report of the Lord. A man dared to believe what God said concerning him. And he saw the intervention of the hand of the Lord. Who has believed our report and to whom is the hand of the Lord I gave us that example so that we can see from scripture a man that rose from a point of nothingness, a point of victimhood, a point of weakness, and rose to become a general of God's army. Why? Because he believed the things God said concerning him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember the story of David as um, they, they were f the, the army of Israel was fighting with the Philistines and then Goliath came out and for 40 days trampled upon Israel, spoke, spoke vain words, intimid intimidated the whole army of Israel. And you only threw up a challenge. Bring one man from your camp. I'll, then of course I will stand on behalf of my camp. Let us fight the winner. Is the win the, the whoever wins between the two of us that's the winning army. And for 40 days, scripture says that he would come and speak profanity against the army of Israel until David came one day. He brought food for his brothers on the, at, at the battlefront and he overheard Goliath making boast. And he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he will speak in such a way to defile the army of the living God. That's a man who knew who he was. Hallelujah. You've seen Gideon that did not know, but eventually rose. But you've seen a man in David. He was a boy of, I think, about 17 or thereabouts at that time. But what happened to David? David had experience with God. David had a relationship with God. He had, he had experience of previous victory with God. And he said, who is this? He, David took it. It became personal. Like, how dare you defile? And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just that he was speaking against the people. David saw it as an affront against God. That Goliath would stand to make such a boast and defile the army of the living God. Then he said he was going to fight him. We know the story. He went, to, he went to the king, Saul. And Saul said, my son, you can't fight this man. This man has been a warrior, a champion from his youth. He said, the same way, the same God that delivered me from the bear and the lion will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. So the thing that understanding your identity does to you is it gives you confidence to stand and speak concerning situations. You are not intimidated by the things that confront you. You are not intimidated by the mountains. You are not intimidated by the circumstances that surround you. Why? Because you know who you are in Christ. Praise God. You know that you are not a victim of circumstance. You are not a, 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 you are not a victim of the economy. No. That's not who you are. You are a child of God. And all the resources of heaven have been channeled and directed towards your environment, towards you, to be of assistance to you. I told us sometimes ago, we, we remember the story of Elijah, Elisha, you know, 
when when the army of Syria surrounded him, and the the um, the servant did not know. He said, "Alas, master, we are surrounded. We are going to die." And the man told him, "Prophet Elisha, Elofo Kambale." That do, do you understand? He knew that he was not alone. Of the fact that there were probably thousands upon thousands of the army of Syria coming to take him captive, he just prayed a simple prayer: "Lord, open the, open his eyes so that he can see." The fact that you don't visibly see the hordes of heaven, the the help of heaven physically around you does not mean it does not exist. You only need elevated sight to know that these things are readily available. The host of heaven have been deployed to your position. The resources of heaven have been deployed to your position. Hallelujah. And all you need to do is to harness it by faith. Hallelujah. So when, when we come into the place of our identity and understanding who we are in Christ, we will not be intimidated by situation. Nobody, not Satan, not any of his devils can talk down on us. Why? Because we know who we are. So your true identity is who God says you are. Man cannot define the believer. Man, society, cannot define the believer. In fact, scripture says that they don't even understand us. They said the world did not know, the, the world did not receive him, so the world will not receive him. Why? Because they did not understand him. The same way they would not understand us. They would not understand how, how it looks like the whole place is in chaos and is on fire and you are at peace. Everybody is running as elder scatter. Everybody is afraid. Everybody is fearful. What will tomorrow be like and all of that. And you are at peace. The same thing that is causing people to panic in your office and, 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 and trying to cut corners and... and and you are just at peace. And they don't understand you. And they are like, what kind of lackadaisical attitude is this? It is not lackadaisical attitude. It is assurance. It's, it is confidence in God. It is knowing that um, my life is beyond this job. My sustenance is not tied to this. And, and, and we've seen that in the last two Sundays with Pastor Shei. Hallelujah. That there is something about my life. There is a blessing of God upon my life. That I would not, I would not walk as the Gentiles walk. I would not toil the same way the Gentiles toil. I would not chase after the things the Gentiles chase after before I have the things they have. It is the blessing of God. Hallelujah. So your race is different. Your approach is different. Praise God. Your demeanor is different. Praise God. And they look at you and they are just, they just don't understand you. How can you be so cool? How can you be so at peace? Oh, he's been married for, for, for five years, ten years. They don't have a child. And they are happy. How? It's not normal. Praise God. It is not normal. He's been out of school for three years. He has served. He doesn't have a job. But he's happy, serving the Lord, faithful, fervent. It is not normal. Why? Because he, has, he or she has trusted his life entirely into God's hand. And he knows he's beyond, beyond any shadow of doubt. That God will take care of him. He knows. So even when, when, when friends and family members are putting you under pressure and all of that. Sorry. Praise God. Why? Because sometimes people try to transfer external pressure to us. But sorry. This confidence is in God. I know who I am. I know the things he has said concerning me. I know the promises he has made to me. And those are the things I'm holding on to. Because I believe those things to be true. Scripture says, let God be true. And every man, every other man a liar. Let your experiences be the lies. Praise God. Because oftentimes also we hear the voice of our experiences. We hear the voice of the things that, are, that have happened to others. How are uh, when this thing happened to so 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 person? And those things are trying to bring fear and intimidation and unbelief into our hearts. But let God be true. And every man, every other experience, every other thing that contradicts God's report, let it be a lie. Hallelujah. And I'm praying tonight that in our lives, 
we would reckon we would esteem God to be true in Jesus' name. Scripture says we are a new creation. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, we know the scripture is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the believer in Christ is a new creation. And the import of a new creation is the fact that that person did not have a past. In God's record, in God's record, you, you are like a newborn baby. In God's reckoning. Hallelujah. So you are a new creation. Your past mistakes, your past sins, your past every other thing you can think of. When, when you made that decision and you crossed to the other side, those things were totally wiped away. They don't matter in God's scheme of things. And you need to have that understanding, you know, to be resident in your heart, to live day by day. You are a new creation. Praise God. Praise the living Jesus. Um, First Peter chapter 1 verse 3 also emphasizes um, 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 that point. He said, um, you know, when he was talking about uh, he has begotten us again. He has begotten us again into a lively hope. He has given birth to us a new. Praise God. New creation. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Galatians 4 7. You are a son of the house. First John 3 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. What manner of love. That is what he has called you. You are a child of God. You are a son of the house. And you see, the, the import of being a son of the house is that you have access and you have boldness. Praise God. Praise God. You have what? You have access. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. Right? We have peace with God. And we have access into this grace wherein we stand. Romans 5, 1 and 2. We have access by faith into the grace where we stand. You have access. You have boldness. Therefore, having boldness to come into the holiest of all. Why? Because you are a son of the house. If you are not a son of the house, there are places you cannot go. There, there's a way you cannot walk in the house. We have, we have a helper too. And despite how good we try to be and how we try to make i mean it's a home you are part of the family and all of that she she cannot enter our room without knocking or without being hacked to come in do you understand but my children they don't care they just they don't care what you're doing they don't care whether you are dressing up or what they just open the door and they come at any time of the day sometimes you know they sleep when they were much younger they sleep when they wake up to wee at night, probably say 3 a.m. By the time they finish from the toilet, they will leave their room and come to our room and sleep on the bed. They don't care. It is confidence. It is, it is assurance. It is knowing that they are the sons of the house. Hallelujah. And that is what we have with God. We have peace. We have access. We have boldness. Praise God. You are a son of the house. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2.19 Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are not a stranger. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You are a member of the family of God. That is who you are. That is your position. That is your estate. You are a son of the house. So there is no fear. There is no, there is nothing that turns you back. You are a son of the house, so you can come boldly. You have the privilege of access. Praise God. Um, please, let's write down Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, which is also speaking to, speaking to the fact that we are, we are children or we are sons of the house. You are the righteousness of God. Oftentimes, we don't look like it. We don't even believe it. But when God looks at you in Christ, well, 2 Corinthians 5.21, when God looks at you in Christ, He doesn't see a sinner because you are not a sinner. Praise God. 
Tell yourself, I am not a sinner. I am the righteousness of God. I know you are saying it in unbelief, but keep saying it until you believe it. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might what? Become the righteousness of God in him. We become the righteousness of, of, of God in Christ. You are right now as you are seated, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And it is not by your own doing, it is by the sacrifice of Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You are the righteousness of God. You are not a sinner. When God looks at you, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees righteousness. Why? Because the righteousness of Christ overshadows you. Hallelujah. I would emphasize again, um, we are kings and we are priests. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 I think says, he has made us kings and priests unto our God. Um, it's for many people, it's easy to, to accept the fact that we are kings, but the, the, the priestly part of it, we are not entirely sure. But that is who God says you are. He says you are a king and you are a priest. First Peter chapter, chapter 2, I think verse 9, he said you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Wow, that is who you are. But you are what? A chosen generation. You are chosen. God chose you. You are a royal priesthood. A kingly priesthood. You are a holy nation. God's own special people. You are special to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, when, we, when we speak about Kings, what comes to mind? King, what comes to mind? Authority. Leadership. Dominion, that's the word I'm looking for. Dominion. Dominion, and do, that's the reality we have to walk in. When we put on our identity, when we come to that realization that you are, you are a king, praise God, when you come to that realization, then you are beginning to trigger your right to walk in dominion. Dominion, he said, he said, those who have received the gift of righteousness, he said, they will reign in life. Praise God. When he made them in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, scripture says, he blessed them and told them to have dominion. And that's what scripture says in the book of, I think, Romans chapter 8, he said, sin shall not have dominion over you, because as a king, you are meant to have dominion. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he has made us king and priests unto our God. What is our priestly identity? Our priestly identity is in the... Who is a priest? A priest is the man that stands, you know, uh, uh, he stands in the gap between man and God. He stands in the gap before God on behalf of men. Hallelujah. We see that in the book of Hebrews, I think chapter 5, he said, Every high priest is chosen from among men and ordained for men in things pertaining to God. So he stands in the gap. And we have, he has called us priests because we are meant to be people who are standing in the gap on behalf of others, on behalf of our nation, on behalf of our families. You can be in the gap and you can take the position of an intercessor. Hallelujah. That is who you are. That is your identity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we talk of kings, like we said, we talk of power, we talk of authority, we talk of leadership, we talk of dominion. And when you talk of priest, you talk of devotion, you're talking of consecration, you're talking of intercession, and all the other things. Hallelujah. God says you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, Psalm 103, 11 and 12. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Hallelujah. First John chapter 2 verse 12. I write to you little children. Why? Because your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Because of him. Your sins are forgiven. 
So we, we must walk in that assurance. You have forgiveness. You are forgiven. Forgiveness is available to you today. So you made a mistake. Forgiveness is available. You don't have to beat yourself up. That is who you are. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are God's masterpiece. You are his handiwork. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. He said we are his workmanship. Created in Christ. In Christ Jesus unto good works. You are, you are like an artwork. You are, you are you know, uh, an article of clay in his hand. Being molded. You are his masterpiece. You are the best of his works. Hallelujah. That is who you are. And you, you remember the, the, the story of the potter. He said he went to the potter's house and the potter was working at the wheel. And he said the vessel that he made was mad in his hands. But what did he do? He didn't discard it because it was mad. He said he made it again into another vessel. That is what God is doing with our lives. You are in his hands and you are his hard work. You are his, you are his masterpiece. Hallelujah. Um, Psalm 139 verse 14 says, he said, he said, behold, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, it's not that you are fearful. It is that God took his time. You, you, he, he, he paid attention to all the details. You are his masterpiece. That is who you are. So, you, you, I mean, because we, we live in a world that is so physical, a lot of intimidation and pressure, social media and all of that. You look at yourself and, and you are his masterpiece. You have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You are his workmanship. And it's, it's, the work is ongoing. So he's refining you. He's making you better. Even when you are mad, the only thing is you remain in his hands and he can make it again into another vessel. Hallelujah. You are the heir of God. And join heirs with Christ. We see that in the book of Romans chapter 8. We are, we are heirs of God. And join heirs with Christ. Uh, uh, that means that... We are uh, here is the person that has a right to the inheritance. Hallelujah. So we have a destiny as heirs of God. We inherit God. We are joint heirs with Christ. That means that everything that Christ comes into, we will come into. Hallelujah. We are going to share this thing together. Praise the living Jesus. I like the Yoruba version. Yoruba calls it Alaba Jogun Pelu Christi. So you, you are sharing the inheritance. Hallelujah. The inheritance belongs to you and Christ. Everything he has, you have. It is in, it is in both of you. Both of you, it is in your name. It is, it is a dual thing. It's a dual venture. Join heirs. Heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. And if children then hears, hears of God and joint ears with Christ, if we indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. That is who you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. It says you are complete in him. You are complete. Praise God. In what? In him. In Christ you are complete. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing deficient. You are complete. You are, you are okay by yourself in him. One of the things that the, the identity, understanding of identity does to us, it, when we come into this understanding, it increases our sense of value and sense of worth. Praise God. So you can't be, you can't be intimidated. You, you know that your life is, is, is beyond everything that this world has. The, the scriptures, he said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son to come die. You see, he didn't die because we are plenty. Praise God. In fact, when, when he died, we were not even here anyway. Praise God. When he died, we were not here. But he died for us. If he were the only person on earth, he would still have come to die. That's how precious, that's how valuable you are. You are complete in him. Praise God. You are the temple of God. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. You are the temple of God. And the import of that is when that understanding dawns upon us, it means that we are able to possess our vessel with wisdom. We are able to, to carry our lives. We are able to, to live in such a way that befits the temple of God. We will not, we will not bring in things that, that, that cause defilement for the temple. We will not bring strange fire to the altar. Why? Because we, are, we live in that consciousness that we are the temple of God. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Praise God. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If you read the book of um, Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3, you would see a lot of things where you are this in him. You are this in him. You are this in him. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians. One of the things I also like, which of course I mentioned it in another way earlier, when I was saying that he said we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when he sees us, he doesn't see us as sinners. Is the fact that he calls us saints. And I like that word because um, saint, sainthood is a word that we, we have venerated and we have put in an exclusive class. Especially you, if you see, if you have Catholic friends, saint this and this, and there are people, they are like legends who have died. And um, as long as you are alive, they don't, they don't call you saints. But that's what God calls us, saints. And you are looking at yourself and you don't look like a saint by virtue of the understanding of sainthood that you have. But it, it is your name and it is your calling. Praise God. If you read, if you read the introduction of, of, of Epistles, you see things like to the saints at Colossians or to the saints he said we have been made uh, uh, partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. Praise God. We are saints. That's what he has called us. Praise God. So, I mean, it's, we, need to, we need to believe and embrace this. Identity influences the way we live. Victim or victor. Fearful or confident. Insecure or bold. Not good enough, not qualified. It's, it's an issue of identity. Praise God. But when, when you come to that realization of who you are, your whole approach to life will change. Hallelujah. And that is going to affect your walk with God. Because um, you, you, you would walk in understanding that you previously did not walk in. All of a sudden, you know that like scripture says, that you can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. And it has nothing to do with being a great man of God or something. It is just this son shall follow them that believe. Praise God. This signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will lay hands on the sick. They will, they will speak with new tongues. They will drink deadly things. It will not hurt them. They will trample upon snakes and scorpions. In my name. Hallelujah. I said your identity also influences your purpose. And we saw the story of Gideon. If, if, if Gideon did not come to that realization, he would never have fulfilled the purpose of God for his life. He needed to, to, to have a change of mindset, change of, change of orientation about who he was. And the moment he did that, he was able to, to move in and fulfill his God-given destiny. So the, the issue of knowing who we are in Christ is very important and key to the fulfillment of destiny, to the fulfillment of our purpose in God. Hallelujah. Um, also, not knowing your identity, not knowing who you are, makes us live less than we were ordained to live. Makes us live less than we were ordained to live. Gideon would have lived less than the will of God. Lived less than the purpose of God for him. Hallelujah. And finally, Romans chapter 12 verse 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As the believer, the world cannot define you. 
you are who God says you are. So it is God that defines us. What do we need to do? Before now, the world has defined us. The world has tried to define us. Our experiences have tried to define us. Um, people call themselves by different names. So I'm a divorcee. I am this, I am that, I am barren, I am sick, I am diabetic. You know, you, you, you just put an identity that God has not given you. You, you superimpose it as your reality and you call yourself by that experience. But what do we need to do? We need to superimpose and, and, and embrace the name that God has called us. The identity that we have in Christ, we need to embrace that identity. And how do we do that? Do not conform to the world. Don't live by the standards of the world. Don't, don't, don't view yourself. Don't call yourself what the world calls you. What do you do? Renew, trans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. As, as I, I quoted that scripture earlier. I think it's Proverbs 19 or Proverbs 27. As face answers to face, as you behold yourself in the perfect law of liberty, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. He said, he said he that is a that is a hearer of the word and not a doer is like a man that looks at his face in a mirror and immediately walks away, forgetting what it looks like. But he said, he that looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein. Thank you, verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Face answers to face. We all beholding us in the mirror. We are changed. We are transformed into the same image. So it is our responsibility to keep beholding, to keep embracing the identity that God has, has, has given to us, to keep embracing what he has called us. Whose report will you believe? Hallelujah. Who has believed our report? To whom is the hand of the Lord revealed? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is where our transformation comes from. By giving attention to the word. By, by, by reinforcing that identity. When fear comes, what did God say about you? When doubt comes, what did God say about you? What has God said concerning you? And we need to reinforce that and look and look into the perfect law of liberty until we come into a place of conviction and we walk in that reality. Hallelujah. I'm saying to us tonight that victory is ours. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for tonight and we give you praise. Thank you so much for how you have helped us. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for understanding. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed.